Welcome to the Gold Rush 2011 podcast. Gold Rush is an annual student-led conference hosted by Perimeter Church. This year's theme was Consumed, where we talked about what we are consumed with and who ultimately consumes us. Thank you for downloading, and we hope you enjoy. Okay, so like I said, um, we're going to be talking about life purpose. And the handout you have today, you know, I thought, make it a little bit easier for you because I know most of you aren't going to take notes, but some of this stuff I think is really uh, important and you might want to look it over later because it's not something that like you like hear it and you're like, oh, all right, go out the next day and just, I have life purpose. But um, it's kind of a gradual thing and it's something that you want to uh, look over later. Um, so yeah, Chet introduced me, um, but I'd just like to give a brief background um, of kind of what this talk has kind of meant to me. Um, most of this comes from a talk from uh, a camp in Northern California called JH Ranch. Um, some of you may have heard of it. Um, but anyways, I was always the kind of like, you know, raised in a Christian home, always, you know, like good kid, follow the rules and all. Um, but I just, you know, kind of felt myself just I always you know, try so hard, and it just, I, you know, I get the satisfaction of other people in church and my friends, and people would look up to me, but I didn't really feel like I, my life was, like, meaningful. Like, I, my, what did I do the last week? Like, I can't even remember anything of meaning that I really accomplished. And so um, going into my sophomore year, the summer before, um, I heard this talk, and it really made a lot of impact on my life, and it was something that was I hadn't heard before, but it made a whole lot of sense to me. So if you're someone that can kind of relate to me and um, doesn't really get the whole, you know, emotional aspect of, you know, feeling it and you not really feeling it, but you know you're a Christian, then this will hopefully make a whole lot of sense to you. Um, so yeah, um, so today we're going to be talking about, obviously, life purpose, as I said before, and it really comes down to why are you here and what are you doing here? Um, I had, I shot a video yesterday of a couple interviews, but unfortunately the audio didn't work. Um, yeah, it's, it's sad. But basically, in, in this interview... You just have to take my word for it. There's two groups of people. There are the people that had no idea what to say, like life purpose. Like you can't just ask me, like, what's my life purpose? It just like hits you. You're like, oh, okay, I wasn't expecting that. Um, and there's the second group of people that were just like, all right, I got this. I'm ready. I get, I get the little church answer. Here we go. Uh, my purpose is to um, love God and uh, spread his kingdom. All right, check, check the box and move on. Um, and I think that's really um, how we fall into like those two categories. Okay, so the top, this, this was done in a national study, and the top three fears of teenagers, um, you can probably guess two and three. Two is to lose one or more parents to death of divorce. Three was to never find someone to love or to love them. And number one was to never find their purpose. So, um, and if you guys are like me, this is something as 
you begin to understand yourself and your abilities, there's a whole lot of questions and there's a whole lot of figuring out that you have to do. But no matter uh, where you are in your life, all humans have a deep desire to have a purpose and feel like they are worth something. And that's what makes us different from animals. Who in here has a dog? Okay, now how many days does your dog just sit there and lay on the ground about like half the day? Okay, most days dogs are just happy to just lay there and just be a dog. But um, if you live uh, anywhere pretty much but Florida in this last season, um, then you know that there was one week where all the roads were shut down and everyone was pretty much stuck inside. And the first couple days were fun and all, but then after that, everyone started to go crazy and get cabin fever and just started to just... Because you can't sit there forever and do nothing. It sounds good for a little bit, but then afterwards, you're like, I really want to go out and do something. And that is a good God-placed desire in our um, lives because we are meant to be creatures that have a purpose and have a meaning. Um, so hit the next slide. So if you don't get anything of this talk, except for this right here, I am completely happy. And it says right there, your job is not your life purpose. So that is something that, no jobs. <laughs> um, society makes us think in a way that, okay, ultimately the end goal is to get a good job, make money, and that seems so far away from us at our current stage that that's good enough for us. But that's not our life purpose. Um, the average person changes their jobs about six times over their lifetime, but you'll never change your life purpose. But instead, you live out your life purpose through your occupation or your job, and I'll get to that later. Um, but then, uh, now I want to talk about how the world lives out their purpose. Basically, the job of of life for the world is to be successful and be happy. Um, if we're honest, with it, that's really what it comes down to. Um, and you've all heard it said, whoever dies with the most toys wins. Um, and that's, it's kind of a joke, but it's also kind of not. Like that's really what we're taught is our end goal in being on this um, world. So to avoid thinking about life purpose like we're going to today, um, the goal of the world is just to spend every single moment just consumed by their own goals and their own ambitions and just fill up our time with so many things that we don't have to think about what God's goals are for our life. So um, um, who here feels like this guy uh, just on a day-to-day? -day? And a little background about that guy. Um, actually, he, I, he runs marathons on a hamster wheel. So, yeah, if you, if you think about it, in our day-to-day -day lives, you go to school, you do your homework, you come home, maybe like watch TV, have a little time for yourself, maybe read at night, and then you go to bed, do the same thing over and over again, and you feel like you're working, but when you look around, you realize you haven't gone anywhere, and that's the same thing for this guy. He's on a hamster wheel. He's burning calories. He's becoming tired. Um, he's been running on that hamster wheel for three days now, but he has not gotten anywhere. Um, and if you hit the next slide, um, this is 
what we're taught um, just in our society and like what is our goal? So, you know, you're in high school and then, okay, you're in high school. Now you have to get good grades to get into a good college, of course. And once you get into a good college, you need to do well and develop yourself so you can get a good job. And then, you know, somewhere along the way, you got to, you know, get married. And then you got to have kids and have a nice family to show off to all your other friends so you can compare who has the better family and better life. And then ultimately you your kids are going to grow up and you need to provide for your kids so they can do the same thing over and over and over again. And um, if we're really honest with ourselves, we just realize that that's, that at the end of the day, when you're lying on your deathbed, you don't want to say, yeah, I made a lot of money and I had some pretty good times, but if I look back, there's really nothing that I can say, like my life was worth this. And... Um, Here's a quote from, he's a French political analyst, or like a social person that studies society. And he said this back in 1835. He said, Americans, their lives are so practical, so confused, so excited, so active, that little time remains for them for thought. So um, what, I mean, that's saying is what we experience when we take a step back and realize we're so consumed by our own ambitions and our own goals. And it, it might not be bad things, you know. Um, it, it's like things like, you know, like sports and hobbies and schoolwork. But ultimately, it's not bringing any true satisfaction to us. It's only going to last for um, a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, the world teaches us that the number one goal in life is to be happy. And if you're happy, then... Excuse me. If you're happy, then that's fine. Um, so the way you become happy is be successful. And the way you become successful is you just get more money. And then once you have more money, then you'll be more happy. Um, but um, this is something that they told me at JH Ranch. Um, is that happiness depends on what's happening. But joy is the deep-rooted peace of knowing that God is in control of everything. So really, when the world looks for happiness, they're really trying to find joy. They're trying to find that um, place where you can fill that hole in our lives. But ultimately, um, and like Corey said last night, it's just like chasing after the wind. Um, so... Um, Corey also used the example of Solomon, uh, King Solomon. And if you don't know about King Solomon, he was the wisest man on the planet. Um, he was the richest man on the planet. He was the king of a very large and powerful nation at the time. And he had whatever resources he had to do whatever he wanted. And at the end of his life, he came to the conclusion, after chasing after everything in this entire world to try to gain satisfaction... He said in Ecclesiastes 1-2, a meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utter meaningless, everything is meaningless. Um, so if Solomon, someone who had all the success, all the money, everything you could ever want, and he had all the money to go try out every single thing any human could try to fill 
um, and feel satisfied with, and he says it's all meaningless, then why are we even trying to um, satisfy ourselves with the things of the world? And what happened to Solomon is he ran into the law of the diminishing return. Um, it's uses an economic term, but it also um, applies to us spiritually. It says, the more you do of anything, the less it satisfies. So if you ate one donut, that donut tastes pretty good. And then maybe after like three donuts, you still like donuts, so you keep eating them. But really, it does, that third donut doesn't taste as good as the first donut. And by the hundredth donut, you don't want to eat another donut ever again. Um, and so what happened to Solomon as he tried all these different things and just, you know, he'd gain temporary satisfaction for a little bit. And the next day it was gone and he tried to do that same thing. And ultimately, um, the same thing that excited you the day before and you do it today, it's not going to be as exciting for you. Uh, one of my friends, her dad um, is Greg McMichael. And I don't know if you know him, but he... Uh, would pitch the eighth inning for the Atlanta Braves when they won the 1995 World Series. And uh, he came and spoke at FCA, and he told us that, you know, what it's like to win a World Series. And that night, um, he said that night was one of the greatest nights of his life because you're in the clubhouse spraying champagne everywhere, and there's just that such excitement because that, as a baseball player, that's the greatest moment of your life is to win the World Series. And this is someone, not just like anyone who had like a normal level of success, excuse me, man, but he was good in high school that he could play college baseball at Tennessee. He was good enough in college so that he could get drafted. He made it all the way through the minors. He made it to a major league team. Not only did he just make it, but he started and he pitched during the World Series. So this is not just like someone that has low levels of success to begin with. This is someone at a very high level of success. And he said that that moment after they won the World Series was so great. But afterwards, the night after, everyone, they wanted to know one thing. Are you going to win the World Series next year? See, because to the world, winning one World Series isn't good enough. You have to win every single World Series because you're always looking for that satisfaction, and we can't find it here on this world because God's creation was intended for our delight, but it will never satisfy us. Um, that's plainly said in the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. And we you think of that as like, I shouldn't have any other gods before me, but God makes it so that we can't have any other gods before him because deep down inside, we aren't satisfied by the things of this world because at the end of the day, when we're really honest about it, it doesn't bring us satisfaction. Um, C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And that's just, whenever I read that, it gives me like chills just because... That's so true, and we know where our home is. Our home isn't on this world. We have to stay here for a while, and we live by their rules, but ultimately, our home is in heaven, and we don't have to look to this world to find satisfaction. 
Um, and it's because God created us for companionship with him. And if anything in this world could give us satisfaction, then that would take the place of God and there would be no need for God because we would just be doing our own thing. We would have our own satisfaction. We could just be fine with being happy and having, living a good life. But God has ingrained in us something that longs for more. So maybe at this point you're asking me like, okay, been a little bit depressing talking about what isn't our life purpose, but um, what truly is your life purpose? Um, if you go by the Westminster Catechism, it's the first catechism. It says, uh, what is man's primary purpose? Man's primary purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So that is kind of what we have been taught through Christian um, studies and through our churches. Um, but ultimately, that's really not what we see, and we really don't think about it that way. Um, Jesus also said in Matthew 22, um, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you break it down, Jesus says that the greatest thing we can do on this earth is to love God and love people. And um, we have heard these things before, but ultimately we really don't take it into account and really don't process what that truly means to us. So one man um, who did uh, take this into consideration, um, you may have heard of him, his name's George Washington. And his, he said, my supreme purpose is to please God and share the light he has given with me with others. So um, now I wanna talk about how do you find God's specific purpose for you and for your life? Um, well, first of all, if you are a Christian, then Jesus has placed a special gift in your life. And it's something that I feel is very underused um, in today's society. And that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, we essentially have God inside of us. And if you think about that, that's just crazy that the God who created us is also present inside of our being. And he, he's with our thoughts and he's like a friend that you can talk to and um, he communicate with God through the Holy Spirit um, in a different way. And... I'd just like to challenge you that the answer is not to sprinkle God into your own plans. Um, see, because that's what I was doing for, for a long time until I really heard um, what they said at J Tranch in this talk. And I began to think of like that what I was ultimately doing, and I was saying, God, I believe in you, everything you did, but I don't trust you enough to give you full control of my life. I trust you enough that I'm going to have my plans and my life. And then, you know, you can come into my plans and, you know, it's like come, come, come into my plans instead of God. My life is yours and I don't want my own plans because I know that your plan is so much greater for me. And the problem is when you think like that, like I did, 
no one else really sees that from the outside because they're like, oh, okay, uh, you go to church every week, you're in discipleship, um, you know, you're like in student venture and young life, and they're all things that look good on the outside, but it's your reason why you are involved in those things because maybe like you don't even think about it even sometimes you're involved in these things because you gain satisfaction by living the Christian life by being able to say that you're better than those people because you're not involved in drugs and alcohol um, and that is in its own is another way that the world satisfaction is given to you but um, if you live that way, you're ultimately going to get burned out. And that's where I was at a point where I was just tired of it and really felt like everything I was doing, it wasn't for a real purpose at all. Um, and it wasn't satisfying. It just became kind of like a job, like this is what I do. I do this and this and this and this and this just all um, for people to see me as a good person. Um, one thing that the main person who was at JH Ranch, um, his name is Bruce, and he wasn't involved in like drugs or alcohol or anything else that he tried to um, chase after in the world, but he did become an adrenaline junkie and he like tried every single kind of like crazy thing, he went skydiving. He one time built his own hang glider and then thought it would be a great idea to like, after building his own hang glider, jump off of like this mountain and he missed a huge piece of concrete by like 10 feet and he would have probably died after that. He was in and out of the hospital so much that his parents bought him his own hospital bed. And... um so after realizing, he eventually came to his senses and just realized what he was doing um, because from the outside, it looked like, hey, he just likes to have fun. This is kind of what he does. Um, and even afterwards, he got done with hang gliding and then he moved on. He started racing dirt bikes, racing motorcycles at high speeds because he was uh, always wrapped up in the thrill. Um, and so after he began to think about that, he just was like, okay, well, um, I like what I do, and I like to feel control of my own life, but what I can do, because, um, you know, I want God to be a part of my life, so I'll just hear God come into what my plans are. So I'll just kind of like sprinkle a little God on top, you know, like a little salt. And um, he was talking to a missionary pilot one day, and he was saying, you know, like talk about all the crazy things he's done, and he was like, yeah, man, what's it like to uh, land a tiny, pi uh, tiny plane on the side of a cliff in Africa? And he just said, it's, it's like parking your car in your garage at 70 miles an hour. And from that point on, he was like, okay, yeah, that's what I'll do then. I'll be a missionary pilot because then I get my little God going on, but I also have my own desires and my own um, wants and needs and I can satisfy both, and I can hold them both up. Um, so he went through pilot school and did years of training um, to become a missionary pilot and became involved in a missionary organization. But 
then he realized that ultimately this wouldn't give him satisfaction either, that it was all just a big scam that he's trying to feel like he's with God and with his plans, but when he's really honest with himself, he knew that he wasn't following God's plan. He was just trying to make his plan kind of look like God's plan. And so um, one fact that really is kind of shocking um, is that over the course of a pastor's career, 60% of pastors will ultimately leave the ministry. Not like they retire and they move on, that they will leave the ministry and will not be a pastor anywhere else and choose another job. And, and then if you look at youth pastors, it's got to be uh, 85% or higher. So you guys, um, make sure you tell your youth pastors how great they are because not a lot of them make it through many years as being a youth pastor. Um, and I think that is because we try to um, bring God into our own ideas. So people might say, yeah, like, that sounds really cool. Like, uh, maybe I enjoy speaking. Maybe I should be a pastor, and that'll sound good. Instead of saying, God, what is your will for my life, and what is my purpose in being here? And then seek God in the way that he wants you to. Um, so I like to challenge each and every one of you here over the next week to, um, to evaluate your own life. Um, so, yeah, a wise man, Socrates, he said a life not evaluated is not worth living. So if you're not evaluating your life, then you're just on the hamster wheel, running, just head forward, um, and just happy with moving because you feel like you're going somewhere. But if you evaluate your situation and look up and around, then you realize that you're not going anywhere. So uh, three things that it takes to have true evaluation. It takes time. Um, it takes effort. So you can't just sit there and really, okay, I'm going to evaluate my life. It really takes effort on your part, and it is um, something that takes solitude because you need to be away from your other distractions and surroundings and um, the things of the world that say that you're, you're happy in the situation you are. You're, you're, you know, you've had a good life. It's all okay. Um, and I think Gold Rush is one of the best opportunities for you to be evaluating your own life because you're away from all your distractions. You have more time on your hands um, away from all your other responsibilities whether you're home and you get wrapped up into other things. Um, and just know that it says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. So the Lord wants to speak to you. And he's only giving you the opportunity um, if you are willing to talk to him. He's not going to come seek you out and say, all right, we need to talk about your life purpose, all right, because I see you kind of going down your own little path. Um, but if you meet him where he is, um, he's, going to, um, he's going to answer you, and he's going to help you um, find your real true goal. Because 
he's your father, and um, who wouldn't want that from their children? I know I don't have the verse with me, but I know it also says, uh, it gives the example of if, you're, if you ask your heavenly father for bread, he's not going to give you a snake. So how much more would your heavenly father, if you ask him for something, why would he give, not give it to you? Um, so in your time of evaluation, um, and this is all on the sheet, the key points so that you can uh, take home and uh, look over. Um, be ready to ask God three questions. Um, so first is, why did you create me? What is my purpose in being here? What must I be doing each day to accomplish that purpose? Um, because if you really are honest with God and you come to him and ask him these questions, then he's going to answer you. And I'd love to be up here on the stage telling you, all right, I've done all this. Here's the answers. Um, go, there you go, like, become like me. But I'm still on the path. I can't tell you this is my life purpose. Um, yes, I got into a good college. I plan to do well in college and get a good job. Um, but I am still on the path of trying to figure out what is my true purpose in being here. Um, but it is uh, a victory in and of itself to realize that the things of this world aren't what satisfy us and continually being uh, look to God for our purpose and our satisfaction instead. And that's just the, the daily struggle for me is to uh, not live on my own successes and my own um, wants and needs, but instead be um, talking to God and asking him, what should I do? Like, where should I go? Um... So if this all sounds way too crazy for you, like talking to God, that whole thing, then you could always follow um, the way of the world and see what they have to say about life purpose. Um, when I was looking for a definition about life purpose, I found this self-help site. Uh, there's a guy named Steve Pavlina, and he's made millions of dollars talking about life purpose and becoming a better person um, for intellectual people. And um, the first step in discovering your life purpose in about 20 minutes is to empty yourself of all of the uh, false purposes that you've been taught. So the first thing is to forget everything that I've said over the last so minutes and um, drain your mind and become just empty. And then uh, there's a four-step process. Step one, you got to take out a sheet of paper. Uh, then you got to write at the top, what is my purpose? Um, then you got to write any answers that pop into your head that answers that question. It doesn't matter if it's a big um, answer, if it's a short answer. And then you repeat that step until you get the one that makes you cry. So if that sounds like something good and sounds like something that you are satisfied with, then you can just uh, leave in any of these doors and just go take the next 20 minutes and discover your life purpose. Then come back and I'll give you the mic and uh, you can get up here and talk about it. <laughs> but, um, and this guy, you know, he said it's so easy. So he did this, of course, and it took him about 25 minutes. 
And at about step 106, um, he said this is his life purpose. To live conscientiously and courageously. To resonate with love and compassion. To awaken the great spirits within others. And to leave this world in peace. So, if you think about that, it all sounds good. And it all sounds, yeah, that, that sounds good. Like if I accomplished all that, then that would be something worthwhile. But we all know that you're not going to gain satisfaction from knowing that you live conscientiously and resonate with love and compassion in others. But it all just sounds good. Um, So uh, this morning, if you have listened to this and said, you know, this really does make sense to me, and this is something that I struggle with um, that I don't know, what my life purpose is, and it's something that I don't even think about at all, um, then I would challenge you to talk to God and experience what he has for you and your life purpose and your plan for your life. Because although um, I can tell you, like, you need to love God and love other people, everyone has a general relationship and a general um, purpose but the way you live out that general purpose is very specific to you. So just like in relationships, um, some of you might not know me at all, know me because I did a seminar last year. Some of you might be my cousin, my friends. (laughs) Yeah, you are, Jamie. You're my friend. So um, even though... um, you all, have, you all have a relationship with me somewhat. Your relationship with me is at different levels. And I can't tell you like one way, like this is how you become my friend because it's going to change based on um, your personality and how my personality mix and our likes and interests. So um, you all have a relationship with me, but the relationship and how you get to a different level of that relationship is different for each person based on Um, our spiritual gifts and our spiritual abilities and also our worldly gifts and our talents. Um, It all is, um, it changes based on our relationship with God. And, okay, so if you are tired of these gold rush mountaintop experiences, then this is something that I challenge you to do. Um, is to evaluate your life because that's where I was. I was like, okay, I know I come to Gold Rush and I feel God so big and so great. And then um, I go back home and I get involved in my own little path and it just all becomes meaningless and monotonous and just not the real deal. And I, I so long to be back at Gold Rush, at JH Ranch, where you do feel God so much bigger and so much better. And what I think the reason for that is, is because, okay, what other week do you wake up, go hear some morning worship, hear a little morning devotional, then go hear from someone else speak about God. Then from that you go serve uh, the Lord's kingdom. And then you come back, hear another talk, more worship, then discuss what God's doing in your life with other members of the body. What other week do you ever spend that much time thinking about God and living out God? It doesn't happen any other week 
So that's why we don't feel God or we don't, we don't experience the same level um, that we do in these retreats and other things that um, in church is because we're not meeting God and we get up in our own ambitions instead of just letting God um, impose his own plan for our lives on us. Um, so I'd like to close with the poem. I guess you could call it a poem, but it doesn't rhyme. It's called The Road of Life. And this is something that I found in the back of my J Tranch notebook when I was told to have a 24-hour solo. So I had a lot of time, and I was looking through this notebook, and I found this. And it was so moving to me because it so resonates completely with how my life was. Um, so you can follow as I read it. It says, At first I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of the things I did wrong, so as to know whether I merited hell or heaven when I died. He was out there sort of like a president. I recognized his picture when I saw it, but I really didn't know him. But later when I met Christ, it seemed as though life was like riding a bike. You've been listening to the Gold Rush 2011 podcast. Perimeter Church is located at 9500 Medlock Bridge Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. If you'd like more information about the church, please visit our website at watershedministry.org. Now you've brought God into your own plan, um, but you haven't reached the full satisfaction. I don't know just when it was that he suggested we change places, but life has never been the same since. And this is where most Christians stop, and they realize that it's okay, they think it's okay to have their own life and their own ambitions and say, Lord, I want to drive the bike. I want to know where I'm going, and it's predictable, and I am in control of what my life is doing. And yes, I believe in you, and it would be great if you would help me pedal back there, but you're really not in control of my life. You're just my savior. You're not my Lord. Um, but if you think about this, the people that really take this to heart and to really do it, people like Billy Graham, Jim Elliott, they're completely ready to give everything for God. Um, God does great things with them. And even if just the hundred or so people in this auditorium fully took that to heart, God could use 100 people that are following his plan instead of their own plan to completely change the world. And it's just completely um, astounding to really think about that and think that we're satisfied with less than that. So I, uh, when I had control, I knew the way, but it was bo- rather boring but predictable. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts up mountains and through rocky places at breakneck speeds It was all I could do to hang on. Even though it looked like madness, he said, pedal. I worried and was anxious and asked, where are you taking me? He laughed and I didn't answer and I started to learn to trust. I forgot my boring life and entered into the adventure. And when I'd say, I'm scared, he'd lean back and touch my hand. He took me to people with gifts I needed, gifts of healing, acceptance, and joy. They gave me gifts to take on my journey, my Lord's and mine. And we were off again. He said, give the gifts away. They're extra baggage, too much weight. So I did to the people we met. And I found that in giving, I received and still our burdens was light. I did not trust him at first in control of my life. I thought he'd wreck it, but he knows bike secrets. Knows how to make it bend to take sharp corners. Knows how to jump to clear high rocks. Knows how to fly to shorten scary passages. 
and I'm learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest places, and I'm beginning to enjoy the view with the cool breeze in my face with my delightful constant companion, Jesus Christ. And when I'm sure I just can't do it anymore, he just smiles and says, pedal. So to me, that is something that I completely understand and have experienced where that person is coming from. And um, I think if you're here today and this has made sense to you and you're ready to uh, let God take full control of your life, not that you're just not a Christian and now you're a Christian. I'm saying that you were a Christian, but it's just that you're not giving God all of your life. Um, and you can do that and you can live your own way or you can do what people like Jim Elliott and other heroes of the faith um, have done and just completely give their life to God and fully live that out. And um, if you'd like to come up and talk to me about that um, or any of this, then I'd love to talk to you. Um, if you want more information about what that really means to uh, live out a life purpose that's not of your own, then you could talk to me. You can talk to your youth pastors. You can talk to your small group leaders. But don't just let this moment with what you've heard and what's made sense in your head not reach your heart and what really uh, has changed your life. So um, that's what I want to challenge you with. And if you enjoyed that poem as much as I have and you'd like a, a, a look at it on the handout, there's a website where you can find it. And uh, I'm going to probably frame that up in my dorm at Georgia Tech just because it's the best thing that I've ever found, any literature at all. So I'm just going to end in prayer, and then uh, you're going to have a couple minutes to get to your uh, afternoon activity. Um, dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you've given us, Lord. And thank you for bringing these um, uh, brothers and sisters to come here today, Lord. You've drawn each and every one of them for a specific reason to hear this today, Lord. And I pray that um, if anything I said was of, of my own prideful ambitions um, in ways to try to make myself look good on this stage, Lord, I pray that you, you would forget that, that they would forget that, and they would remember what you've said through them. Um, and Lord, I just bless each and every one of us as we go out into missions and whatever the rest of our day holds, and that uh, this would begin to sink in, and that we would begin to realize that your way is so much better. And once we begin to just take the first step to trust you, that the ends um, of it is just unlimited, Lord. And uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.